Hello and welcome back to Up The Villa podcast. I hope we are all on cloud nine, getting dizzy, our dizzy height of fourth now is. Uh, welcome to the Tactical Debrief, where we take a deep dive into Spurs 1, Aston Villa 2. Spurs 1, Aston Villa 2. That's took Aston Villa into the top four, which is absolutely massive. So on this show, if you've not watched it before, we take a deep dive tactically. We have a look at the shape of the team, how we played. We have a look at the passing network. We have a look at various different tactical insights into the game that we watched yesterday. But first of all, I got paid a massive compliment last week, and Ryan did, on the uh, debrief episode from a Mr. James Alcott, who is an absolute genius. And it is absolutely fantastic. And for me, to get a compliment from James is just absolutely remarkable. So when we got this last week, I was absolutely buzzing. So shout out to James. If you're watching this week, mate, shout out to you indeed. So thank you very much. But Hannah, talk to me. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling smug, to be honest, because it was one of them games where, well, for the first time in a while, I almost didn't think we deserved to win for a lot of the game. Um, it was a bit of an uncomfortable watch at times. I think there was times where I actually thought that Emery had got it wrong. It felt like we were just totally off balance. It Nothing was sticking. And I think, to be fair, you have to give some credit to, to Spurs because I think you know, it wasn't all just Villa not performing. I think there was uh, also an element that Ange Postacoglu had kind of set Spurs up pretty well, to be fair, d- despite their injury woes. They came out and were really, really fighting for it. I thought their press really kind of uh, bothered us in the first half, particularly like the there seemed to be a gap between what we thought we'd created, this really solid back line and into like a four four two, but there was just we were just really disjointed it felt there was too much space between the defense because they were getting so pressured that then it was kind of distance in a way the midfield and and we just really struggled with that and it just felt like having kind of Matty Cash in that sort of wider midfield role he then was kind of struggling to get back into his usual position we saw that obviously he ended up doing you know a couple of crappy challenges so the first half wasn't great. Um, I think it was probably one of our worst first half performances we've seen in a long time. So going into the break at 1-1, I think was really good. And I think it showed that we were still just about managing the game. Obviously, Spurs had a lot of offsides as well. So that that played into our advantage and we had a narrow one ruled out. So 1-1 at half time, I think, gave us a really good platform for Emery to get into them and for us to reset. And I think the two substitutions were perfect obviously in hindsight it's easy for me to say that now because it worked but I think what it allowed us to do was just have a little bit more uh a little bit more width a little bit more of a ball out um when we were under pressure we had uh, a few more players that were comfortable holding the ball carrying the ball so um straight away I feel like we noticed that change and and we seem to be a little bit more comfortable because clearly in games like this Villa are a counter-attacking side aren't we so we really needed those types of players like a Leon Bailey 
to be able to kind of hit them on the counter and, and, and it worked and I think that second half albeit Spurs having some more chances we were a lot more controlled and I think it was more of this Aston Villa Unai Emery side that we're used to seeing so I'm really pleased that we managed to turn it around because so often in Aston Villa's history you know we don't get out of games like that we get in a rut we go behind we have a bad day a bit like the Forest game and we never look like coming back but today I think we did the job and I think that's a sign that again things are going in the best direction under this manager and that we are going to win games like that where sometimes you don't deserve to win and that's just, that's the signature of a good sign you don't play your best and you win games so very pleased and how are you feeling my friend <laughs> <laughs> ecstatic ecstatic <laughs> um I was mega excited for this game. Wanted Aston Villa to show the world what we was all about. I felt we could go there and get a result and it would set us up for what's going to be a massive, massive December. Um, we got the result. We got the result. Uh, the first half, not going to lie, we got mauled. Um, completely blasted by Tottenham, I'd say blasted. There was all over us, to be fair. We highlighted... Hard space and pockets that were going to attack us, and they did. Their inverted fullbacks. That that tactic is incredible. Um, Nogi is is a is a is a terrific player. I, I thought he was really really good. Um, but during that first half, there was hints of how we could get at Spurs. Obviously, when they scored, we we got the ball down. We, we had a good move, and and like Hannah said, we had that that goal ruled off uh, for offside, which was close. And then I was just praying, or just getting at one now. Getting at 1-0, let Emery do his thing. And then Louise, Dougie Louise. Ah, man, pings that free kick over <laughs> and, and Pau Torres again. Turning up with big goals, and not Away from home, Pau. And um, he, he puts that one in the back of the net and we're going in at half-time 1-1. So Emery gets his teeth into him and the substitutions wins the game. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I wanted to see Telemans on, but I thought he was going to come on for cash and swap with McGinn and the RB stars up front, but he brought Bailey on as well. And Telemans brought the ball control. Bailey brought the running, the legs, and he just worked a treat. And like I thought the RB and Watkins too close together, too, mm-hmm. too in the sound line, too static with um, Telemans, which we've seen in AZ Altmar in that, Further advanced position alongside Watkins, he dropped in, no, don't know, he dropped in and helped support and he, he provided that link and he brought everybody else into the game, um, especially McGinn. McGinn sort of grew influential throughout the half. He's, you know, his unique style of protecting the ball, he was getting on it and and everybody's game just rise. And we've seen the Aston Villa that I wanted to show the world that, you know, this is what we are all about. And and we found that winner again, Ollie Watkins. <laughs> He's an Emery striker and a end of his perfect. <laughs> and um, he took that goal so well. I watched the um, Man City Liverpool game yesterday and, and Haaland's goal, and it was very, very similar to that. He just mm-hmm. yeah, took yeah. it in his stride and then buried it in front of that away end, which was just absolutely full of limbs. I know Justin, Justin was there today. That's why he's not on the show. And I could just imagine, I could just imagine him up in the air, <laughs> um, loving it, absolutely <laughs> loving it. But you know, we don't, we done what we had to do in, in away games, especially away games against a team that started in the top four. That's you know, has been in fine form this season. There's gonna be moments where you're up against. Yeah, it. We, we we rode it out, and you know, and it just sets us up. 
perfectly for uh for, for this big month like i say and what you know what was also pleasing right at the end you know the top and crowd was very quiet near the end you could hear what was going on in the pitch and the, they had a couple of like corners and you could just hear emmy and carlos and all them go come on come on defend defend and it's just we're a complete team now aren't we? we're, we're like we're all in everybody is in from yeah. from the energy that bailey and tillemans brought off the bench you know everybody is in you know tillemans could have quite rightly sucked you know, he's, he's been in top form. I said on the last episode that it, it was his shirt to lose. He got dropped in. What was a tactical shake-up? Uh, so we could have sought, but he never had come on and, and won us the game, really. Um, so massive, massive three points. Yeah, and, and, and over the course of a season, a, t- a team will have sort of key moments and key periods where they are characteristics that sort of go through the rest of your season with you. And one of those would have been that Spurs result yesterday. Coming back, and I spoke about it on the, the match reaction, you know, we were we were 1-0 down away from home. We then clawed our way back. We didn't play that great first half, but then we managed to win that game as well. So all these little barriers that we overcome in that game yesterday you know, we can take that into next games and the, the, the players can just sort of that harmony of what we what you're trying to say, Ryan, is like it that bond just gets stronger. You know, every time that we get hit with sort of like adversity and we bounce back, it sort of adds another layer of like armor to us. And, and I think that's absolutely massive. So what I want to do is I want to talk about the first half and I want to show you what I saw, um, and then we'll, we'll get what you guys saw as well. Um, but first of all, I just want to touch on sort of like the, the first half shape. So in essence, even though we play with Pau, Carlos and Konza, the, the team shape doesn't change. It, it it lines up on paper like this. We saw so many times, you know, the shape of the team against Spurs still was that 4-4-2. Um, but what I think happened against Spurs is because we were getting, like Ryan said, smothered and swamped and pushed further backwards, it meant that the Villa team was just going further and further backwards, which is something that we don't want to happen. I think the fact that Udogi goes forward as well and can get into those areas, it really meant that Kamara in that first half was occupying that space there. And I think that was a massive, massive problem because with Kamara occupying that space there, sort of trying to, you know, get, you know, gills in and around here. You've got a dodgy that sort of gets into that area. We saw all all first half that there was runners in between Villa players as well. It really left this massive gap for me in central midfield. And one player that I felt like just didn't know whether to stick or twist or to go inside or go outside was Matty Cash. And I think his position was sometimes out here and he was really reluctant to to engage in this area. And, and I think that was one area that we sort of really lost that battle in that first half. And it was to do with Kamara going in these areas instead of kind of making up that area and our team looking a little bit more like that really Ryan also mentioned it was the press that was that was a big problem as well Watkins and Diaby's press was just completely non-existent it was completely being bypassed all through that first half which was a massive problem because if we do want to keep a high line 
the way we negate the high line is that we press teams and we press teams higher up the pitch. So then it, it they lose that space in between their defence midfield and, and strike force, really. So I felt like that was a, a real massive problem for Villa, especially in that first half. And it really got exploited. But I just want to show you the, the change that we made. And I think the average positions will kind of show you where that change happened. So as you can see, this was where Cash sort of was during the game. He, he was floating in and around here. Really, we want him engaging a little bit further up to make that sort of box midfield as well. So I'm going to show you now uh, the average position. So this was the average position and you can see where Cash is. So Cash is in essence, he's acting as an active winger. Whereas you've got uh, Diaby, who's sort of partnering Ollie Watkins up top. So it looks there like a flat 4-4-2. I'm going to show you now the introduction of Yuri Tielemans' position. And for me, this is why we got back in this game. So look at number eight now. Number eight is Yuri Tielemans' position. So out wide, you've got Leon Bailey offering the width out wide. And you've got Yuri Tielemans, number eight, actively making up that box midfield. McGinn's gone off at this point. So his graphics not on there. This is showing you where the substitute players were. But if we go back to McGinn number seven and then where Tielemans number eight is, and we were speaking about this in the predicted lineup, how one substitution can change the shape of the Aston Villa team. And Unai Emery needs massive credit for this because at halftime, he made that change. So what does the change do? We take cash off. We swap him for Leon Bailey. So Leon Bailey now is offering pure width. We take the RB off and we bring Tielemans on. And Tielemans is now the ball player. He's the one that has the ball. He's the one that's doing the passing. And Bailey is offering the width and the pace and that dribbling ability. And the two, for me, just suited each other perfectly. And it was the a majestic double substitution for memory because it just meant that Tielemans is occupying this area now, more centrally, and we've got Bailey, who can go into that area as well. And, yeah, for me, that's what happened in that game. Ryan, what are you saying? Yes, yes, spot on. I think them substitutions there. Tillemans coming, dropping back, it allowed Diaby to make that diagonal run up into the position where Diaby was playing. You know, you, you go back to them average positions and you, you'll see... Um, that Bailey is in the position that Diaby was in in the first half. Um, I also thought that Spurs hurt us wide. They kept Gill, Johnson right on the touchline. So with our back three, it sort of it sort of stretched us a bit because you 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 were nervously looking to the wing while you had the inverted fullbacks coming inside you, and that you know, we really struggled to to get a grip with that in the first half, and that's what sort of just threw our shape all over the place. So once Emery made them substitutions, which I said at the start, it, it won us the game. Um, once they come in and settled down, I think Tottenham's you know their explosive pace and everything they, they just run out of steam. And, you know, we managed to get get a grip of the game. And and like you said, that Tillerman substitution, just like, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And Cash, yeah, Cash sort of, again, he's, he's just getting caught. To, like, just getting caught between where to follow, what, what areas to mm -hmm. defend. And he'd, he'd made a rash tackle, Matty Rash. And, like, he was on a yellow. <laughs> he picked up he picked up that other, that other foul. And uh, <laughs> he, picked, he picked up that other foul, which... He probably even never had a yellow. He probably would have got a yellow for that one. 
Um, yeah. So it was like a yellow and a half on it. And like, I thought as soon as that one, and he got away with that one, I thought he's got to come off. He's got to come off. He's just, you know, he's all out of sorts and um, perfect, perfect substitutions. <laughs> Enjoying <laughs> that, Matt. Matt yeah. <laughs> right. So I'll fly through a couple more stats and then Hannah's job is going to be talking us through some of the images from the game as well. And so, as you can see, this was Aston Villa's passing network, which wasn't too bad, to be fair. There's there's width in there. We've got the usual Dougie Louise central to everything that comes off for Aston Villa. We've got good passing networks with Torres and Digne, Torres and Louise, Torres and Carlos, Torres and Kamara. Um, so the average passing network isn't too bad, to be fair. And then this is Spurs' shape. You know, you can see how... Uh, attacking they are number 12 and 33 are two central defenders and then pretty much everybody else is sort of camped in Aston Villa's own half really and you can see how congested that middle of the park is and I think that's also showing where you know by having Tielemans in there we were able to sort of negate this as the game went on more bodies in central midfield whereas with cash further out wide it was sort of like we were just sort of like overloaded in the middle of the park quite a lot and and that's what their inverted fullbacks are meant to do they're, they're meant to overload the space you know sort of in midfield as well so you know I think their tactics work perfectly and this is the Spurs um, passing network. We've got Villa's XG of 1.77, Spurs is 2.32, 38% possession for Villa, 15 shots for Villa, 18 shots for Spurs, 8 on target for Spurs, 5 on target for Villa. We've got 86% passing accuracy, uh, 90% passing accuracy for Spurs. They made 626 passes and we made 377. You can see the expected threat on this graphic. So um, Spurs are in the grey, Villa are in the blue, and there's his 6.76, as is 3.42. Um, you can see that Villa were getting quite a bit of joy in that second half with some spikes on that counter-attack. Uh, shots with XG by the minute as well, so that was pretty even, to be fair. And then you've got the shot map from both teams. Spurs having a lot of shots inside the 18-yard box. Villa, quite a few in the 18-yard box and then a couple from distance with our free kicks. So we're going to talk about um, some of these graphics then. So this was early on in the game when Kulaveski got around uh, Pau Torres, but already you can kind of see, you know, players in these central areas overloading Aston Villa four to three. But I'm going to show you now, Hannah, I seem to think we've seen this goal before already this season and it's a bit of a running straight from the edge of the box on set pieces. Was it Sabozloy for Liverpool? Do you remember that? Oh, one? God, you're really testing my memory. Um, I'm not sure. So you put me on the spot a bit, but I think, to be fair, I don't actually think our defending from set pieces is usually too bad. But you are right in the sense that there is, there's definitely, I don't know if it was a Liverpool goal, and I don't even know if necessarily we've conceded lots of goals, but we've definitely conceded a lot of chances like this where, you know, someone's uh, crossed in from a corner or from a set piece 
just outside the penalty area and it's kind of fallen to someone on the edge of the area and they've just gone completely unmarked. I think, like I say, even if it hasn't led to a goal, I feel like we've seen that more than once this season. And to be fair, you know, that's kind of like an Austin McPhee special. You'd think that they would be picking up on that. But I mean, it's it's another one that's just frustrating because it feels quite avoidable. You should, I mean, where's the midfield there? What you know, you've got the mm. three. I, I think the three centre halves that are kind of just in a very narrow kind of three in front of goal. But then where's who, who's running? Who's who's on him? Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's it's another bit of like a, a bit of a cheap one. I mean, again, it takes a deflection. Um, so I don't know if it would have gone in if it hadn't come off of Carlos's thigh, but. It's one that well, ask, I, I want to ask you a question, Hannah. How come every deflection off a Villa player always goes in? <laughs> like, yeah, how, 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 come, how come Leon Bailey has a shot, the keeper saves it, it hits the post and it goes straight into the keeper's hands? If yeah. that's Martinez, it's off the back of his head and in the goal. Yeah. Like, it just it feels feel like, like every, every time someone has a shot at goal, it hits a Villa player and it goes in. I don't know. I don't know why. The fact that we've had, is it two this season? No, it, it was the Arsenal game at the in last season and then one this season where we've had two go off the back of Martinez's head. Like, surely yeah, that's what, something that Bo- should be rare. What was Bowen's as well? That that went off the back of someone, didn't it? Conza headed it in, didn't he? Is that when Conza headed it and it went off? Martinez, or is that, that a Luton? That was Luton. I think Bowen's took a deflection, didn't he? And just went past in, in the far corner. Yeah, standard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We, every every goal we concede seems to be like either really fluky <laughs> or really avoidable. Which I thought everyone would say that, but it's not like we're conceding like worldy goals or anything. It's like you know, in that instance there, why is why is there not a midfielder running on to Lasalso or whoever it yeah. was? Oh, I would like to see someone coming out to this now. I'm sure it was Sabozlai at Anfield. It was, it was, Luke, it was. He had yeah. that one in the first couple of minutes, wasn't it? And just He's got uh, better memory than me. Emmy Martinez that day was blocked off by bodies and you're leaving yeah. players on the edge of the box. They're just going to smash it like your man just smashed mm. it and it can go anywhere. Like If you don't hit Carlos, Martinez <laughs> catches it. But like you say, it's took a deflection. And like the Liverpool one, if there's not a body in front of Martinez, he collects it easy, but he's short-sighted yeah. and... You are asking for trouble there. It's hit and hope, and against Villa, the hope normally pays off for for them. But then, something really mad in this game. We literally go down the other end of the pitch and score a goal that's offside. Um, but it was just a, a mad moment, wasn't it? Um, I did it's see a good some people. That was. Yeah, it was, but I did see some people on Twitter saying it weren't offside, but it was offside. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it was clearly offside, offside in the modern in yeah. the modern day, but it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm, let, let's not get into the debate, but like, realistically, would I want that to be offside in an ideal world? No, but I would say that about any goal that's given offside like that. I think it's stupid because it just takes away the advantage from the attacker. And I also think it was that a clear and obvious error. Like they spent so long on it. But I have this I have this gripe every week with offside in the Premier League. I think it's so stupid that they spend nearly three minutes looking for a clear and obvious error. I think the worst thing they ever did for VAR was saying the clear and obvious error tagline because yeah. it just haunts them yeah. every week that these things are never clear and obvious. But ultimately, it doesn't matter because we won the game. But it just annoys me. It's always like by the tip of someone's arm when you can't score with an arm anyway. So... 
yeah but we have to just deal with that don't we now it's been long enough we can't complain again about the offside rule anymore no one that wasn't offside Hannah you can talk to me about this just talk me through this Louise stepped up I don't think I can I don't think I can talk you <laughs> through this because I think I mean I feel like every week when I watch Douglas Louise he gets better somehow with the football at his feet and it's it's actually a bit of a joke at this point. The the curvature on this ball, <laughs> the way to pass, everything, <laughs> it's just it's just beautiful. I think the man is a wizard and we are very <laughs> lucky is. to have him. Mm-hmm. I can't say much more than that, but honest seriously though, I mean, even you know, Powell's run is clearly onside. I think the whole thing was a great example of a set of how why you make the most of every set piece because look he's so far out here you think you know this is going to hit the first man but no Douglas Louise has got he's got magic at his feet hasn't he so it's in a game like this where you're struggling especially you know in the first half it's these fine margins that you need to you just need that bit of quality don't you the moment of magic as we like to say um and it, and if you if it pays off then you boom you're back your back level so it's it's these fine margins sometimes that you have to have that little sparkle and Douglas Louise always has that bit of sparkle doesn't he yeah and that that header from Pau you know you know two massive goals away from home from Pau now and 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 he's he's big because he missed probably an easier chance right at the yeah. start of the game, didn't he? Yeah. So then, you know, he's rebuilt the confidence there to, to go and put that one away. And it, it was such a class header because that, that ball's travelled nearly 40 yards, hasn't it? And he's he's watched mm-hmm. it all the way, connected, and he's found the top corner. Unreal. I was up off my seat you know, while I was, mate, bouncing around. Me too. Even when that one went in. <laughs> me too. Do you know what's funny about power? Like, I've, I've always... We haven't really had a centre-back that scores goals, have we, since we've been back no. in the Premier League? Like, we, we haven't legitimate, And I've always wanted a, a centre-back to just, like, run in and, like, enter it and, like, cause... The reincarnation he, of Martin Larson. Is that what you're after, Luke? No, but Powell's, like, silky when he does it. You know, he's got a silky finish at Wolves. That header's not, like, a bullet header. It's, like, a glided sort of header that's just, like... It just—it's just a beautiful goal, you know. It's just—I I like how he just silks his way through, and I think, um, yeah, smooth criminal, any mate. That's Slipping it. In that's that box. it. <laughs> yes, smooth power at the ready. <laughs> and then this is where the subs have come on for Villa, and we start to—you you could tell, couldn't you—that we, we were starting to purr a little bit. We were starting to get back. Yeah, we were starting to get Bailey in a bit of space. We were getting a little runner from from here with um, Louise. And this is the one that hits the post and bounces out and the keeper just falls in his hands, which is just really, really annoying. But this pass from Tielemans. this pass. I mean, it's the little no-look he kind of does and he just sells it through there. Uh, Go on then, Anna, talk us through it. Yeah, I was getting excited then. This this, this is Yuri Tiedemann's <laughs> if. Like, the, you know, when we signed him and we were talk, getting all excited about, you know, getting him on a free, this is the Yuri Tiedemann's that we were talking about. He's got the vision. This is kind of like what, we, what we've what we missed from not having Buendia. The, and he mm. brings that and potentially more. Like he, he's got the vision. He's got the weight of pass here. 
you know, look, how many Spurs players have you got? You've got the back four and you've got the three in, in sort of like a deep midfield. And he cuts it perfectly through right to Watkins, who's obviously timed his run perfectly. And from there on, you know, Watkins at the moment, you, you back him to score, but that's all Tierman's that goal, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I just think that this position now where he's starting to find his form, where he's kind of like playing off just off Watkins or, you know, him and Diaby, um, more advanced, creative, you know, we're seeing the player that we hoped he would be. Um, and he's enjoying having the ball at his feet, I think. So it, this was really good. And again, really good for his confidence as well. It, I was disappointed to actually not see him starting um, in this game. But I think, you know, he kind of has to start next weekend now, especially with Kamara suspended. Um, I think, you know, he has to get the nod. Yeah, you'd imagine McGinn will go into that double pivot with Louise and then Tielemans and whoever, really. But, um, yeah, I'd imagine it might look something similar to this. Very surprised when this happened that the commentators were kind of surprised. Uh, I wasn't surprised because he's the world's best goalkeeper. I'll give you this one then, Ryan. A, a, a double save like this. Class, weren't it? Yeah, it was incredible. What, who was the first one? Was it Johnson? Brendan Johnson Yeah, he made that save. Got himself up off the floor, and then uh, Hoiberg. We've seen him, like, we've seen him curl these in time and time again, haven't yeah. we? But not today, not past them, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, full stretched, totally under control, mate. I was, I was chilled in my living room watching that one fly because I knew, uh, knew our kid Emmy would uh, keep that one out. But um, again, a, a top performance by uh, Martinez as well. You know, he's won the World Cup for a reason. Uh, he's just um, a top quality goalkeeper to have between the sticks and. You can see why he got voted best in the world this uh, this year because um, he's been superb. Definitely, definitely. And then the final one was Villa sort of trying to get the third. We'd got Kamara with a shot. Um, McGinn picked it up on the byline, crossed it to Watkins. Probably should have scored. Um, but yeah, and that was it. That was game over. 2-1 to Aston Villa. Absolutely love it. I saw a stat of... 22 wins this year for Aston Villa. That's the most we've had, I think. Um, and there was another stat that I can't, that's just passed my mind. Uh, might come to me in a minute. Uh, but yeah, Hannah, what's this victory mean? What's it mean for Villa, the squad, the fan base? How you, how, what's, what's it mean to you? I think it means that, again, it's, it's just another like bit of, Another bit of like pedigree of you know this is this is an Aston Villa side that are genuinely like somehow challenging for the top four. I don't quite believe it. Um, I think going into this game, you know, you're playing a team who have kind of been you know the media favourites, the, the darlings of the season. You know, new manager that everyone likes, and they've gone on a, a good run and stuff. Um, so going into this again, I think we were the underdogs. So. It was a case of we kind of have to get something here to prove that we're in that pack of of teams that are genuinely, you know, going for Champions League. And to win that, it's again, it's just it's another uh, like standout performance. And I think probably alluded to it earlier, but winning different types of games in different ways, you know, winning games where you don't play very well will be very important this season because whilst Mm -hmm. we play some lovely stuff, particularly at home and we're picking up points against teams that we expect 
there's going to be games where we don't show up 100% or not even 75% and we have to fight and we have to be dogged and today was that so again showing that we can compete and win in different ways is is massive the fact is I think we're what like two points are we like two points off the top or something mm-hmm. honestly oh, ridiculous Let's oh, look at the Blow that up, Luke Robinson. We're t- we're, there there we're we go. Extreme. We are yeah. two points off the top. We are on the same points as Liverpool. <laughs> won, won the same amount of games. Or maybe, what? actually, I think we've won one more game than Liverpool. So, <laughs> we. this is serious now. Like, at the start of the well, season, it when it was going well, it was like, this is nice. But, like, genuinely, this is serious now. Like, this Aston Villa team are going places. I cannot believe it. I have to pinch myself every week. But, Everyone else has to pay attention now that you know we we are competing for Champions League this season. Hundred percent. I mean, God. especially when you consider, look, everyone below us, apart from Tottenham, who we obviously beat, all the way down to Chelsea, have won their games this weekend. Yeah. So you know, so already pressure was on. When it, you know, you want to try and maintain that, and it, and it's a, yeah. it's another case of our big team mentality. I think there's times this season, Crystal Palace at home when we had to grind out grind out that win and we, we grinded out another win today and there's time and time again especially at home as well where we just had to be patient and believe in the tactics believe in, in the game plan and uh, and it's coming good so many times and times again and, and when it comes good and good and good you believe 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 more and you know the, the faith that's running through this football team now through every single teammate Right the way through to the coach, to the to, to the connection with the supporters. You know the Villa fans again, terrific today. Fully back in, fully back in the team. Another sold out away end, making noise. You know, from the bottom to the top of the club, all on the same page, all fighting for one another. Um, it's it's super good to see, and to see like by the time the next Premier League games kick off, it's December, isn't it? And, we're in that top four in December. It's uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy, and, and we've got like a bunch of games coming up now that we're all like super excited for. Like we've got the top two there. We've got Arsenal and City coming at Villa Park. Both are going to be under the lights. Both are going to be sold out. Both are going to be noisy as hell. You know, this this Villa crowd is going to be electric for these two games. We've got a tough games to negotiate against Bournemouth prior to that. And we've also we we also want to beat Leicester at home, don't we? And, and claim that top spot. Do you know what I mean? And if we can get if we can, if we can seal Europe by then, and, and and make sure we avoid that playoff and get a result at Bournemouth, my God, them two are going to be so so tasty, man. Licking my lips, licking my yeah. Lips. I mean, one thing I don't miss these days is this. You know, when you when you have to do that, when you have Looking to do that down. and scroll a yeah. bit. Scroll, that, I don't miss that yeah. scrolling part, but a couple of little points I'd like to make on, on the table because, you know, okay, we know it's one game at a time. We we know that, but let's just enjoy in between each game week because that's why we are fans and we should be allowed yeah. to enjoy it. Uh, number one point that I'd like to make is that we've clawed back that loss against Liverpool. So we're now level on points with Liverpool, which is mad. So we've done well to claw that gap back. If we can beat Bournemouth and something happens with City against Spurs, we could be above City going into that game. That's also massive that we, we could be above them going into that game. Um, so, could be top so of the league. <laughs> and, then, and then by the time we've beat Arsenal, we probably will be top. <laughs> but, but no... The thing is, what I'm trying to say as well is 
we've got to embrace these, these these games coming up because you know we've got nothing to fear and we're in and around them and and that's absolutely massive. So just enjoy enjoy your week up until the next game because we're doing fantastically well and fans deserve to enjoy watching their football team and, and another, enjoy another, everything um, else that goes with it. Another observation from that um, from that table as well is the goal difference. You know, Newcastle and Liverpool results was a minus seven with them two games alone. And, yeah, yeah we've clawed our way back up to minus, uh, to plus 13. So, again, just the goals that are going in, you know, right? you know, we haven't kept a clean sheet for seven games yet. We're still we're still winning. Do you know what I mean? It's um, the goals at the other end were, were so dangerous. And uh, the confidence yeah. in front of goals is, uh, is superb. And one more point I'll make is that this home form is absolutely fantastic. The best in the league, actually. So we'll go there. But then I was hearing all week, I was watching loads of different like shows on like different fan channels, and they were they were all saying like Villa's home forms, not very good, blah blah blah. But then one away win, what, what can one away win do to you? I wonder. So if we go down, we are currently in eleventh on ten points. You go up to fifth on ten points. So technically, we are joint fifth in the league for our away form. And we're only three points off second in Man City. So it's not actually that bad anymore. So that one result has sort of got rid of that narrative now of like our away form being crap. So, yeah, I just want to touch on what you guys have been saying. It's absolutely a massive win. I think it's going to be one of those that sort of, it's a catalyst of what we use going forward now, uh, you know, mentality wise. And we've got a big game before we get to the Premier League in Legia Warsaw. You know, we've got a showdown and a shootout with them. I think if we beat them at home, I think is it by more than two goals, then we threw and we'll pretty much top the group maybe. Um, mm -hmm. So big game. If we do the, if we do it over them on Thursday, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good. It's going to be a real good atmosphere, especially after this and knowing what's at stake from that game as well. You know, it's the first European game where we can kind of get to that next phase and sort of, you know, we have got a fixture in December, but we could possibly rotate a bit if needed going into. Uh, I think is it Sheffield United or or Brentford before after that game. So, um, yeah. Just want to, I just want to watch us again. I, I wish it was tomorrow now. I wish <laughs> I wish we was watching uh, us tomorrow. We, we're doing that well. But, um, yeah, I just want to say thanks, everybody, for uh, watching and supporting the channel. Uh, hopefully you all like my, my little Christmas decorations. Gone early. Roy, Roy wasn't having it the other day in a no. group chat. He was saying it was too early. But I, December, I held December, mate. Off a day December. Yeah, got a bit giddy, didn't I, uh, after the game and uh, stuck them up. So, yeah. I've anyway, still got so... decorating to do, so once the decorating's done, hopefully I'll have a bit of a, a prettier backdrop <laughs> and I'll, I'll get the Christmas jumper hanging or something because it'll be <laughs> December by then, Luke. <laughs> cool. Right. So what we've got next then, you will have the match preview for Europe on Tuesday, predicted line at Wednesday, fan cams Thursday, match preview Friday, opposition preview Saturday, and then... Stuff on Churn, the weekend. Churning it out, mate. Absolute machine. <laughs> Top four. Who'd have thought that? <laughs> Love it. Right. Up the villa, everyone. Up, Up the villa. villa.